This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin. Heard every Saturday morning at 9 on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. Welcome, friend, to our weekly garden party. We hope you brought along your questions because it's time to dish the dirt. On The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin, exclusively on Zoomer Radio. And uh, good morning, one and all. The sous chef of the garden, Frank Proctor, with you on a Saturday morning, along with Charlie. Hey, Charlie. Good morning, Franklin. Really good. I mean, it's a bit of a gray day, but the gardens do need water. So, yeah. And we're we're here to bring a little sunshine into your life, right? Aren't we, though? Yes, indeed. Sparkling people that we are. This is a big weekend. I mean, we've got Thanksgiving uh, dinners happening. Today, tomorrow, or Monday, whatever That's the case right. may be. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know we're, we're turkeyed out. Are you? Yeah, because oh, you did an early Thanksgiving. Yeah, we had it last weekend. So How could you ever be turkeyed out? I love well, turkey. I, I could eat turkey I, all, every day. By the time you come on to the Friday, though, <laughs> and you're on to turkey fricassee. I know. That's you know, not good. You, yeah, no, I've had it. <laughs> turkey uh, pie. I love, and I love turkey sandwiches oh, and all I that. Love along turkey with, sandwiches. With the extra little bit of... Uh, Gravy. Uh, and stuffing. the stuffing. Oh, Ooh, and, and, and cranberry lettuce, sauce. Oh, lovely. Salt and pepper. But... <laughs> but we're having a roast on Monday, uh, okay. right? I'm I'm turkeying it tomorrow. Yeah, tomorrow yeah. I'll get the, the whole fam family coming <laughs> yeah. out to the county, out to yeah. our new place. So it's a whole new Thanksgiving and, and for us. With with the election in mind. Yes, I that's love, the other thing that's keeping yeah, us all so busy, right? Yes, indeed. Uh, I understand <laughs> that you've got a, a few rules you're going to lay down for dinner. Well, my family does tend to... Uh, thrive on controversy. <laughs> they also tend to thrive on throwing knives at each other. And I do not want blood on my new house. Uh, so I have I told my dad last night when I saw him, I said, there's no politics at the table, at the dining room table tomorrow. Yeah. And he looks at me like, you know, like you a, a lamb, right? He's like, that sounds really boring. And I'm like, oh, it's going to be really good boring. He goes, well, what do we get to talk about? The weather? And I went, well, we could. I said, but I think maybe I'll just make a little jar and I'll throw a little piece of paper in and when we get to that point where something needs to be said yeah, that's yeah. not uh <laughs> political pull out it might be you know what's on your bucket list this year what <laughs> what's the best thing that happened to you this week how about um, the weather in japan th- there's that 274 kilometers an hour oh, wow, yeah. just now yeah, like hitting yeah. now um, yeah, and even anyway. and remembering as well, it's Thanksgiving. So yeah. you know what everybody oh. should be thinking about. What can we be thankful for? Because exactly. we've got lots to be thankful for. Good point. And may I give a little plug here mm. for the folks at the Daily Food Bank mm-hmm. here in Toronto? They are in desperate need for food. You know, there's so many people. Ten thousand mm. people volunteer oh, a wow. year for this. For that. Uh, yes, to for pack not the just baskets. not just but year round. But mm. but this time of year, it's really tough, tough. for a lot of folks. So. Just go online to Daily Bread Food Bank yeah. and find out what they're Looking needing for, for yeah. you know, needing at the moment. Because they need people, they need money, they yeah. need food. But yeah. you know, I'm thinking a, a nice gesture on behalf mm. of a family might mm. be, hey, 
maybe on the Monday, mm-hmm. you say, hey, we'll volunteer. We'll go over and help them pack the food or, you know, yeah. do anything else. So, I mean, keeping in mind that if everybody descends on a Monday, it'll be bedlam. So, <laughs> yeah. like you said, go online, see what they need. Yep, and, exactly. And, and they can always use great. cash. Yes. Let's face it. Yes, huh? exactly. Yeah. So, good point. Good okay. point. Well, we're, we're set to take some phone calls very yeah, shortly better here. better give huh? the numbers, I guess. Well, that'd be, that was my job. <laughs> I, what happened? No surprise that nobody's <laughs> calling us. Like, we haven't yeah. told them well, the number. Good. Okay, all right. <laughs> <laughs> I had my wrist slapped. You're still the sous chef of the garden 11 (laughs) years later. (laughs) In Toronto, here's the number to call. 416-360-0740. And anywhere else in the province, Charlie gets toll free. 1-866-740-4740. And we're looking forward to saying hi to Sharon in West Lorne, who's very patiently waiting on the line. We'll be to you, uh, Sharon, in just moments here on The Garden Show from Sumer Radio. Fur and feathers and bugs of all size. There's more going on in the garden than you realize. Should small creatures become a big problem, then you've got The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin. Exclusively on Zoomer Radio. Yes, indeedy. All righty. Sharon out there in West Lorne, good morning and welcome to the show. Good morning again, Frank. (laughs) Good morning, morning, Charlie. How are you? Yes, fine, thank you. Um, I'm just calling about, I um, have got a outside like a a perennial hibiscus Mm -hmm. and um i just harvested oh they've got i didn't count them but they've there's got to be about 500 seeds oh wow and that from them um uh, a couple of days ago and i was just wondering how to store them now i i remember you saying something about other seeds and whatever one time Mm -hmm. about putting them in uh the fridge in a in um paper envelopes or something and that too to harvest or to uh do over the winter and whatever and that too before I try to plant them again. And right, so. so you're hoping to to plant these seeds and grow 500 more perennial hibiscus. Well, um, maybe not quite that many, but <laughs> I, I, I want to start some for some friends and yeah. whatever All and right. that too. Huh. I don't actually know. And so when I don't know, I just think, well, what does nature do? So nature at this time of year would drop the seeds to the ground. Yes. And they would sit on the surface and be exposed to the winter. I see. Uh, so that's where that fridge comes in, because the uh-huh. fridge is your winter. Uh, and then come optimal, more optimal conditions in the spring. We've got moisture and warmth and the soil starts to warm up. Typically, the seeds will germinate at that point. And then you'll have a whole bunch of, you know, again, in nature, yeah. a whole bunch of little seeds. Now, that's assuming that these seeds are fertile, because remember... Depending on the the particular hibiscus you're growing, it could be a cultivar. It likely is. Is, is this something you bought or somebody gave you? Or? Well, no. It, I, I dug it up. Um, so it was 2014, I guess, from um, my sister's place, and I brought it home. And there was they were just little shoots on the stems, and I put them in um, earth and kept them. Um, watered and whatever, and, and when it started to get warm, I put them out on the porch and and get them warmed up and whatever, and then bring them in at night till they got it to about oh maybe three or four inches, uh-huh. and then I planted them and it, they have just it has just gone crazy oh, wow. for from then and whatever and that too. I've got a huge one, and then I I called you not very long ago about um the the one that that um 
reseeded itself in my garden, in mm-hmm. like the, the little plant, and I wondered if I could dig it up and plant it yeah. someplace else or whatever, give it to somebody in that too. And um, so it must have come from a, a seed pod mm-hmm. or oh. that that blew off because it's yeah. it's quite close to the other one, <clears throat> the bigger one and whatever in that too. And it has it had several. Or multi blooms on it, and that. Yeah. So if you collected it from your sisters originally, it came from one of her plants, and it was a seedling that grew up from a seed. And uh, just looking quickly on the internet here, uh, it's just saying that um, all species of perennial hibiscus, which is what you've got, yes. grow well from fresh seed, uh, and they can be sown in the autumn or the late winter. Okay. So if you want to start them indoors, of course you'd be going late winter. You could sow them now, but I would be thinking about if you're sowing them now outside in a bit of a seed bed outside. Yeah. Um, yeah. Now that's... Uh, then just, I, would, would I, I wouldn't bring them in during the... During well, if you want, you've got them in now. The um, so, okay, suggestion here is... I've got plenty so I could I yeah, could experiment. That's true. That's true. Yeah. You do some in and some out. So if I was going to... What I'd do is I would do that in, in the fridge <clears throat> just to give them that winter, some of them. Yeah. Some of them, just put them in a dry envelope, yeah. keep them dry, dark, Put them on a shelf somewhere, cool, dry, dark for the next few months. You're going to sow those seeds indoors, if that's what the route you want to go, 10 to 14 weeks before the last spring frost. So back that up, you know, okay. January, February, you're going to be planting those seeds indoors. Uh-huh. And you'll just use seed starting soil and, you know, little cell packs or whatever, little peat pots. Uh, do soak the seeds overnight. Oh, yeah, because Bef- they're really hard. Yeah, yeah. so that gives that little bit of opportunity for moisture to get inside under that seed coat and the germination you'll get much higher rates of germination if you do that soaking overnight just a room temperature water little mm. little bowl of water uh sow the seeds about a quarter of an inch deep into your seed starting mix which of course is moistened in advance and then keep the the whole mess moist spritz mm-hmm. with your little mister if you can give some heat from below many seeds will germinate again much higher rates of germination with heat from below your optimal temperature is 70. I could put it over a register. You could, except that really dries things out. Yeah. Um, best, almost if you have like a heating pad that you can turn really low. Oh, yes. Okay. Sit it on. I mean, obviously put some mm-hmm. something between. You don't want um, no. the heating pad getting wet. But there are little proper seed mats mm-hmm. for providing that heat from from below, you'll just get a lot more growth. So, yeah, I mean, uh, 70, 75 Fahrenheit is optimal. Again, increase your chance of germination so you really will get 500 plants. <laughs> well, I'll, I'll try it anyway. All right, Sharon. Hey, yeah, that's, that's fine then, then. Let us know oh. how it turns out, okay? Yeah. Yeah, they're lovely. Have a weekend and a happy Thanksgiving. And to well, you, thank too. Thank you very much. Thank you. All righty. Uh, let's go to Warren in, uh, pardon me, Warner in mm-hmm. Woodstock. Good morning, Warner. Good morning, Frank. Good morning. What are you doing in Woodstock? Good morning, Charlie. <laughs> Wait a minute. Yeah, we thought. I'm, I'm digging up the ground. <laughs> digging up the ground? What? I got a, I got a ten, 10 by 2. I took the, uh, the uh, grass off. Uh-huh. It's heavy clay. Underneath. Mm-hmm. Now I want to take some of that out. Mm-hmm. Is it uh, are wood chips recommended to put on top of that before I put the topsoil down? 
Oh, well, wood chips, uh, depending on the source of the wood chips, wood chips are 100% organic and clay is always going to be improved Mm -hmm. with the addition of organic material. Wood chips, uh, again, if they're big, chunky wood chips are going to take years to break down. So the finer the grind on the wood chips, the faster the decomposition, the sooner you've got that organic matter. Um, uh, I, over the years, have done some really big improvements on clay soil with the addition of just leaves, just awesome leaves, leaves falling from the sky, collecting them. Mm-hmm. It, of course, if it's an exposed spot, the leaves might blow away. So, you know, and if there's no snow, kind of you lose your leaves. Yeah. So you've got to make sure those leaves are going to stay stay in place. Um, sometimes people will put leaves and then they'll cover the, the whole thing with a tarp and that the heat will build up even more so with the tarp over top. Make sure it's mm-hmm. well watered before you put that, that plastic tarp over top, rocks around the edge and let it sit like that for the winter. Often that will speed up the decomposition of the organic material that you're putting down under. So whether it's leaves or wood chips, get it started with some, some real active compost, uh, some active composted manure, mm-hmm. if you could even get a hold of something called mycorrhiza, which is um, uh, just a really important uh, soil amendment, which will get things growing, uh, both uh, get things going. You, you want that life. Clay soil tends to be poorly drained and not particularly lively. So you want to get the action in there. You want the, the bacteria, yeah. the, the microorganisms, the worms, all of that. You want all that there. And then you'll be able to grow something really well there. Yeah. Okay. Well... Uh, mulch comes in big bags. Eh? Mm-hmm. Yeah, is that good for it? Yeah, mulch will slowly break down. It's not a fast breakdown. Typically, the mulch because you know we put it on as an ornamental addition in the spring or summer keeps yeah. the weeds down, keeps the moisture in, but and it does disappear slowly over the mm-hmm. growing season. But it's still there at the end of the growing yeah. season. We we well, add to it. The wood chips are gonna put in the bottom. Yeah. Okay. And then I'm gonna put my topsoil on. Okay. And then in the spring, I'm going to grow some more tomatoes. Oh, more tomatoes. tomatoes. Yeah. <laughs> How many tomatoes did you grow this year? How many? Yeah. yeah. I only had two plants. Oh. Eat tomatoes just until there's still some laying there green. Yeah, I believe it. Wow. I'm surprised you only grew two. two. Oh. Yeah. Okay. Okay, uh, Werner. Well, uh, have a wonderful Thanksgiving and thanks for calling. Yeah, happy turkey chasing. <laughs> All right, thank you very and, much. And Frank, yeah. they don't have prime rib on them, so don't bother. What was that? Prime rib. <laughs> okay. <laughs> All right, take care, my friend. Yeah, have a good one. Yeah, thank, thank you, you, you will, too. for sure. Do you know, uh, I can't remember the last time I looked up at our monitor and see no calls. I guess everybody's busy well, baking or got, shopping or... Uh, electioneering. True. You know, you that, know, you've this, been doing some of that, I understand. Uh, volunteering. Yes, and it's been really, really interesting. Uh, I uh, am uh, canvassing for one of our local candidates in our area, mm-hmm. and uh, I won't mention of course. which one, but mm-hmm. to say that it's one of the best experiences mm-hmm. I've ever had. really has door knocking, phone calling. Yeah, um, getting out, talking to people. Yeah. Good for you. And you know what? That's what democracy is based on, right? Yes, indeed. And, mm-hmm. you know, there. this is a, a wild... I'm finding people just don't know what the heck. Yeah, where, where to go? So they want to talk. Yeah, yeah, they yeah. want to chat it up. Oh. Not at my dining room table. 
<laughs> okay. Well, I see the lines are now lighting up like crazy, so we have to take a little bit of a break, and we'll do that. But let me repeat the phone, the phone numbers just in case, okay? In Toronto, call 416-360-0740, and anywhere else in the province, toll-free 1-866-740-4740. Back in a moment here on The Garden Show. Daffodils and daisies, bluebells and begonias, forsythia and foxgloves, marigolds, magnolia, lavender and lupins, dahlias, delphiniums, stalks, fox, hollyhocks, tulips and sweet williams. You've picked the right place for everything floral. This is The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin, exclusively on Zoomer Radio. Well, I'll tell you, Charlie, it didn't take long for those phone, I, people phone People were lines. listening. Yes, indeed you do. <laughs> and that would include Gail uh, calling in from Richmond Hill. Good oh. morning, Gail. Good morning. Hi, guys. How are you? Great. Excellent. How are you? Good, good. Great. Thank you. Okay, so um, I can never remember about my Rose of Sharon. Okay. Uh, when's a good time to uh, cut it back? Is it like now or do I wait till the end of the winter? So you could do either. Uh, Is it still flowering now or is it all done? Uh, It's still flowering. See, I I would leave it. It's still flowering now. Even when it gets cold enough that it stops flowering, you continue to have the little fruits hanging on, which are somewhat uh, ornamental over the winter. Oh, okay. And okay. So, so I just uh, leave them alone. And unless this is a Rose of Sharon that drops seeds, and before you know it, you've got a forest of baby Rose of Sharons, then you'd be motivated to do some cutting back now in the fall to minimize some of that seed dropping. Oh, okay. I do have shoots coming up everywhere. Uh-huh. So, but are they little seedlings or are they shoots off the root, I wonder? Oh, probably seedlings. I think they're shoots off the roots. Oh. Which we also call suckers. So yeah. your job, because remember, you are the master of that garden and those plants. So uh-huh. if this plant decides it wants to become a forest and you decide you love it just the way it is without it being a forest, don't hesitate to get some sharp pruners or loppers and take some of those suckers out of the bottom. Mm-hmm. Keep it narrow. That The natural form of the Rose of Sharon is, is V-shaped, the letter V. Narrow at the bottom. It's not a really wide plant, so it's a narrow mm-hmm. V. With uh-huh. all kinds of flowers, but it often gets very tall. So that's why I like to bring it down to maybe, you know, four feet, five feet at the most. Yeah. In the spring at the latest. Though you can yeah. do it now too. Yes, it's gonna get a good chop. Yeah. Okay. You know, it did start as a sucker. Oh my, really? Yeah. My neighbor brought over one uh-huh. and I planted it. Uh-huh. And it and it's grown up into this massive bush. Wow. There you go. It's yeah, so, there you go. We, the, okay. the plants we share are the ones that are the most vigorous plants in our garden. So you kind oh, of, right. you kind of know that, right? That if somebody brings you a plant, yeah. chances are it's going to be super happy and become a very big plant. So yeah, you control it. Let, tell that plant what you want and then go to it. Okay. okay. Thanks, Gail. Okay. Thank you. All right. Have a okay. great weekend. Happy Thanksgiving. Yeah. Uh, Jerry in Hamilton on the line now. Good morning. Good morning. Morning. How are you? Excellent. Good. I, um, had an amaryllis bulb that the kids gave me, and it I um, potted it. It bloomed beautifully, but for Easter, oh, yeah. it's been in the summer garden growing fabulous green leaves, mm-hmm. and I cut off the leaves, okay. dusted it off, and uh, I brought it inside, actually, just okay. before it started raining, because I was trying to dry uh, it off. Yeah. What do I do now? So you've just brought it in the last 24 hours. No, about a week ago, okay. really. And, uh, of course, it had lots and lots of green leaves, and yep. you cut them all off. So right now, is it in a pot? Nope. Okay. I would probably put it 
into okay so you dug it up out of the ground did you took the soil away from the bulb i did and it's got all kinds of roots attached yep is it <clears throat> so it's about a week ago and where has it been for the last week it was outside on the patio table oh okay so drying, now it's inside yeah. oh. so drying it down is a good thing so i was just going to say laying it out on some newspaper in a dark fairly dry location like you definitely don't want it out in the rain just you want those roots to not be growing still you want them to be almost like rubbery so they will get they will they will change in their consistency mm-hmm. as it sits out on a newspaper but it should be in the dark because if it's in the light it'll start to grow again Okay. Okay. So you got to keep it dark. And then honestly, ignore it. Um, I typically leave my amaryllis in pots from year to year. So I enjoy them with the flowers. I let them be green plants all summer in their pots. And then I stop watering them. And when I stop watering them, the green leaves turn yellow. Okay. Once it's got all those yellow leaves, just like you, cut them all off uh, and then ignore that plant. No water, no attention. And I've got like six or seven pots and it worked like a charm last year. They all flowered like crazy. But it is that leaving them alone, giving them that bit of a dormant period. So just a dark location could be in the basement, could be anywhere, but no water for that uh, sort of 10 weeks. And then we bring it out to the sunshine, water, off they go. Boom. Away you go. Okay. Thank you. You're very welcome. Let us know how that works out. Yeah. Jerry from Hamilton there. And we're going to stay in Hamilton. Okay. okay? Maybe maybe a a next door neighbor. You never know. From Jerry to Terry (laughs) in Hamilton. Good morning, Terry. Good morning, Frank. Good morning, Charlie. Good morning. Uh, The reason for my call, I have um, some roses. They're called knockout rose bushes. Yes. Mm -hmm. Um, There is a small, like many small caterpillars that are chewing the foliage. Okay, what do they are they little green caterpillars? That is correct. And they're chewing from the edges of the leaves. It seems like the edges of the leaves, but the one is like all the leaves are gone. Gone. And the one yeah. They started at the top, mm. and then there are still like some still foliage on the bottom. But I'm assuming, and therefore they're working their way down. Hmm. I'm afraid that they move over to uh, an Oscar Peterson rose, the bush, which is the taller standing bush mm-hmm. that I have. <clears throat> it's funny because it. What it sounds like, and this is unusual, you have an insect on your roses that are called um, sawflies. So they're rose, saw, S-A-W, and then flies, F-L-I-E-S. That's the larva of the sawfly. The sawfly actually is a fly. Mm-hmm. And the larva are the exact same color as rose leaves, and it's very hard to see them at first. What you notice is that the leaves are disappearing, and you start looking closer, and you realize these little green um, larvae or caterpillars yeah, yeah. are eating yeah. from the margins, and, and they just eat into the midrib, and then they move on to Ooh, another leaf. Yeah, yeah, and normally they... It's obviously an indication of the kind of summer we had and all that heat. Because I think what's happened is this is a, an extra generation. We see these in large quantities in June. Uh, we don't generally see them in October. And there's never usually a second generation. So obviously, it, like it sounds to me like that all that heat we've had, that very protracted autumn has led to another um, generation. So another, you know, bunch of eggs were hatched. What can you do? I would get some soapy solution, obviously not when it's raining, but once the rain stops, which it will today, and I would knock them down with soap and water. Okay. Because that mm, will work. Okay. Mm-hmm. You can right. pick. You can pick and squish. It's just yeah. a bit time consuming to do that, particularly if there's hundreds. But the soap yeah. works on contact or any of the, the trounce type insecticides, bug be gone. They're pyrethrin based. It's all about coating those little bodies with that insecticide. And those little bodies will curl up and drop to the ground right before your very eyes. 
And I you, appreciate. yeah, you do mm. want to slow them down uh, just because if they defoliate the rose, it weakens the rose. It is right. October. These roses are slowing down anyway. Those leaves are going to drop in the next little while anyway. So it's not the end of the world. It's, it's actually harder in June when they mm-hmm. lose all their leaves because then they have to grow new ones. At this time of year, they're not going to grow new leaves. It'll all be next spring. So it's not, it's not hugely devastating on the rose, but you do want to minimize the population of that insect in uh, an area where you've got roses growing and watch for them next June. Stay on top of it. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I'm going to be thankful. It's Thanksgiving weekend. So I'm going to be thankful for this. My pleasure. Underneath the, uh, the mulches. The, uh, the roses. When do I mulch that and uh, build it up? Oh, the knockout is a tough rose. You don't have to do anything for the. You mean winter protection? Winter protection. Yes. Do not need to do anything to your knockout. It is on its own roots. It's a tough rose. But if you wish to do something, I'd pile some some leaves around the base or some soil. Just you know, good triple mix topsoil compost. A couple inches around the, the crown or the base after we've had some hard frost. So that uh, might be November or December. I appreciate that second question, Frank. You both of you are very sneaky little move there. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks, Terry. There you go. That's your Thanksgiving present. Yes, Two questions. But that's special just for you. (laughs) I was already ready to pounce, but he was so nice. (laughs) I know. You get that look in your eye. (laughs) All right. Uh, Well, we're going around the province today. We're going off now to Brantford, and there's Ellen on the line. Good morning, Ellen. Welcome to the show. Good morning. Good morning. Thank you. I'm calling today about the uh, lilacs. Mm-hmm. When I bought my house 10 years ago, they were about, they were very full, and they're probably about 15 to 20 feet high, mm-hmm. and now they're becoming very tall and spindly. Mm-hmm. And I've researched a little bit on the internet, but I'm still kind of confused. I'm wondering if I should just cut them in half and they'd be eight feet tall. I don't know. I know. It's a bit bit of a challenge when they're that overgrown. You end up with the new growth, 20 feet up in the air and a bunch of naked branches down at the bottom. And what's probably happening, why they're so spindly is because that growth up at the top is shading the bottom. So you're not getting any new growth at the bottom because there's too much shadow down there. So it's too bad that they ever got that tall. Sometimes if we go in there and do what you suggested, Mm. you know, kind of get out the chainsaw and chop them down, they die. They just go, what? And say, and just die. (laughs) So if you want to do something fairly radical like that, which actually is appropriate because we, you need to get that, that top brought down. You need some sun getting down right to the base of the Mm. the lilacs and you need to encourage new growth right from ground level. And you'll be Mm -hmm. back in business with lilac shrubs that you can and actually enjoy the fragrance and, you know, see them and, and have them at your height rather than way up in the sky. Um, right. uh, so any radical pruning like you're suggesting, like bringing them down by half with chainsaws, do it in the spring, in the early okay. spring. You will lose your flowers. You will, you'll lose a season of flowers because the flowers will be up on the part you're cutting down. But right. that's fine. You'll do that because you're going to rejuvenate these plants to move forward for better shape and in the future. So bringing them down, new growth from the bottom, the following spring, again, take out old wood, leave the fresh, take out the old. So it's going to be a process of bringing those big old stems and trunks down to ground level and getting young stuff growing from the bottom. It's going to take a couple so of years. all the little shoots at the bottom, yeah. I would leave those. Exactly. Yeah. Okay, great. Okay. 
Great. Well, thank you very much. Oh, you're thank very you, welcome. Yeah. Nothing like a lilac that you can actually see and smell mm-hmm. rather than having it way up there. You know, it suddenly dawned on me mm-hmm. only because I see that uh, in a couple of calls we'll have a first-time caller on the mm-hmm. line. I neglected to give our little mantra. You did. Uh, call early, call off, and one question <laughs> per call. It's too late now. Of course, say. Terry got <laughs> snuck in there. <laughs> but uh, as well, if you're a first-time caller, please let Duncan, our operator, know, and then before you get to the airways yeah you're going to hear that and you're going to hear that very shortly meantime we have to take a little bit of a break here charlie give you a chance to regroup Mm -hmm. because you've been just yakking like crazy Uh, (laughs) that's what i do yeah that's what you do hear Uh, me at school we'll be back to say (laughs) hi to georgina out there in etobicoke in just moments on the garden show don't change stations just because the weather changes garden tips and advice all year round This is The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin, exclusively on Zoomer Radio. Okay, Charlie, let's head out to Etobicoke and say good morning to Georgina. Hi. Good morning. Good morning. Good Good morning morning to both of you. Uh, Charlie, I've had these hydrangeas. They're absolutely gorgeous. They've been here ever since we've been in the house, which Mm -hmm. is 25 years, Mm -hmm. and they come up every year. Now, every fall, I cut them down quite a bit, and I think I've heard you say that it, it could be either. I'm not yeah. quite sure the fall or the spring. But I just, the stems are so tall mm-hmm. that the very first rain we get, they just, you know, fall right, right. over. Um, even though I sort of spike them up. But oh. I'm wondering, I like the shorter stems. Is if I left them over the winter and cut them in the spring, would I get a shorter stem or what? Or is it is just that species that has a very long them. Well, and I'm assuming these are white blooming yes. hydrangeas with the yes. round They're flowers. Yes. Yeah, so I, those are typically a, a, a cultivar called Annabelle, Annabelle hydrangea, and they do tend to be soft stemmed so and big flowers so that they do have a tendency to hit the ground in a wind or a heavy rain. Mm-hmm. What's going to have impact on the the ultimate height of those plants, whether they're shorter stems or longer stems, is how far you cut them back in the spring or the fall. So you want to cut them back. The further, the closer you go to the ground, the shorter the stems are going to be the next growing season. Well, that would, okay. And, and also the kind of weather we're having, the kind of soil you have, the kind of fertilizer, so that if we're pumping a lot of fertilizer, we're pushing a lot of growth, we have very soft growth, and then we get the big stems, and then the mm. big blooms, and then they hit the ground. So what I'd be inclined to do with older hydrangeas like that is, I, I like what they look like in the winter. Like, I like those crispy, sort of golden, uh, balls of flowers that will hang on through the winter and sometimes they'll blow around the yard and stuff look, look like tumbleweed or whatever but it but it's kind of it's, I like that uh, many people are much tidier than me and they cut them down in the fall it's up to you the plant is fine either way if I was cutting in the fall I'd go down to about a foot high then in the spring as the new growth is starting to show little green buds are going to start to show on those stems that you've cut back in the fall, go out there and bring them down to four to six inches tall. Take them down to two buds, basically. They're, they're little opposite buds on the stem. So count up two sets or four, you know, two, two pairs of buds and chop off at that point. And then your new growth is going to start from there. So the whole plant is going to start shorter in the spring, but it shouldn't get as tall and floppy through the season. Oh, well, that would be good then. So I'll leave them through the winter time. I just think they, if you get that heavy snow, they're just going to be flat and 
I kind of worry about them. They're so beautiful, I wouldn't want to lose them. You won't. But you, you say I wouldn't anyway, no, so no. that would be the... Now, did you say, I'm sorry, I just leave them in the winter time? Yeah. And then the spring go right down... Yep. Quite, Wait and you that's right just you'll start to see as the days warm up the birds are singing things are starting to happen mm-hmm. little buds mm-hmm. are fattening just watch for those little buds that are fattening mm-hmm. and then once you start to see them you go in and cut everything down to roughly 4 to 6 inches tall and then that's clear fine. away all I'll... the debris, clean up the garden at that point, right? Yeah. The challenge yeah. in the spring is if it's rainy, then the, the gardens are very wet, and we don't want to start walking in our gardens when they're wet, because no. that compacts no. the soil. Mm-hmm. So you got to work around the reality of the moist soil to get in and do that pruning in the spring. Sometimes people say, oh, I'd rather do it in the fall. Either way. I never give them any any fertilizer. I mean, okay, they, good. they're gorgeous. But yeah. I mean, I've never really given them anything. That's so. why. Well, you're probably doing the right thing then. We had yeah. a lot of rain this past spring. Remember, it uh, rained yeah. and it rained and it rained. And yeah. the hydrangeas loved all that rain. And they yeah. we've had a great year. It's somewhat the year of the hydrangea as a result. Oh, they're gorgeous. Yeah. Most yeah. Everybody's wise. Well, thank mm. you very much. I will do that. All right. Thank and, you. Um, happy Thanksgiving to both of you. Thank, thank you very you much. Very much Thanks for calling. Appreciate that. Well, Frankie is reaching toward the the bell now because oh my, we have a first time caller on the line. Just a minute here. There you go, Carol in North York. That's for you. Welcome to the show. Hi. Good Hi. morning. I listen, and now here I am. Yeah. <laughs> Don't be a stranger. I won't. <laughs> What's going um, on? I have my big, ancient, tall, straggly pine tree mm-hmm. had a baby last summer. <laughs> oh, had a baby. And it was growing right at the bottom. Mm-hmm. And we left it all summer, and it grew, and it got to be about two inches tall and three inches tall. And we left it um, till everything warmed up this spring, and I dug it up mm-hmm. and put it in a very big container mm-hmm. um, where it has happily grown now to five inches tall. Oh, yeah. What yeah. I'm worried about is being in a container is different than being yeah. in the ground, yeah. and I worry that the earth in the container is going to get frozen solid, yeah. and what will happen to my baby? It will die. That's what I thought. So yeah. you've got two options. The, if Do you have a spot in your property where you could plant that baby pine recognizing that it's going to become a big pine at some point oh i figured that out yeah good (laughs) if you've got a spot i would get into the ground you know maybe not today because it's wet but tomorrow okay but out Um, of the pot what kind of a spot anything special well it's gonna a pine not really it's it's gonna need a reasonably fertile well-drained soil pine trees do not want to be in a wet spot they prefer well-drained soils obviously it's all clay it's north york yeah i'll do my best so uh maybe what you should consider when you are digging the hole or preparing the, the site for this little little seedling um get a hold of some peat moss if you can or at least a, a bag of triple mix cuz triple okay. mix should be one third peat moss, one third manure and one third topsoil. That's what triple mix is supposed to be. Use that to incorporate in with your existing clay. Just sort of make a make a kind of a, an area that's a garden, special little garden for this little seedling. Dig down. You could dig down if you can get through that clay, you know, 8 inches, 12 inches. And I'm not saying throw away all that clay. I'm just saying mix it up a bit with something that's going to help break the clay up and provide some organic material in there. Get the little pine planted at the same soil level, you know, ground height as it is now. Water thoroughly and and make sure, I'm assuming it's going to be a wide open spot because obviously this pine is going to grow up into the sun and the the wide openness. But um, you'll probably want 
to use some stakes uh, with some strings around the stakes or some kind of a little indicator that that little tiny pine tree is there. Because okay. come winter, when there's a foot of snow, it, you, you want to know where it is. You don't want to step on it. You don't want to mow it with the lawnmower yeah. in the spring. So you're going to have to really mark it and make it clear good, good idea, to, yeah. that it's there until it's substantial enough that, you know, it's pretty obvious. Okay. Okay. All right. Good well, luck with I'm that. Go and take care of my baby. No, All right. Good for you. <laughs> no sweet, That's a sweet story. I know. It is funny how yeah. that stuff happens. Like I even brought with me, if you can imagine, uh, just a very ordinary, nothing special. It's called a Norway spruce, yeah. and it. It's because a squirrel planted a seed in one of my planters, or it blew in, but I think a squirrel probably planted yeah. it, and it grew. And it's been in this planter for four or five years, and it's kind of a scraggly-looking Charlie Brown kind of a tree. But, yeah. But you know what? I thought it's it, like it's – I've, That's part I've of watched your, it, yeah. right? It's, I've watched that little baby <laughs> spruce tree grow up. It's maybe a foot and a half tall now. So I potted it up, and I brought oh, it with that's me. that's true. I know. It's okay. like, and it's not really pretty or special whatsoever, but it's but, got a nice story. What is special? Mm -hmm. Our sponsors. And we have to give some time over to them right now. But uh, Charlie will be back to say hi. Well, for heaven's sakes, Werner's going to check in again from (laughs) Tilsonburg. Call early, call often. (laughs) Yeah. Fur and feathers and bugs of all size. There's more going on in the garden than you realize. Should small creatures become a big problem, then you've got The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin. Exclusively on Zoomer Radio. All righty, Charlie, let's check in one more time with <laughs> Werner from Tilsonburg. Good morning, uh, Werner. Again. Good morning, Frank. Do I get a bell for second time around? <laughs> well, yeah, you know what? That's... <laughs> Why not? <laughs> Why not? <laughs> I Frank. have two rose bushes. Yes. They tell me they're called paprika roses. What kind? Paprika roses. Publica? Paprika. You know the, the seasoning, paprika? Oh, paprika. Paprika, ah. Okay. Pa- oh, paprika. Where are you from? <laughs> <laughs> paprika. All right. I call it paprika. But anyway, yes. So yeah. Paprika. And uh, a small flat shrub in between them. Do I cut them now, trim them now back, or wait till spring? Uh, I never trim my roses in the fall unless the canes are interfering with a walkway so people can't get through um, and, you know, it's just going to yep. be dangerous over the winter. Or the canes are so tall that they're going to whip around in the wind and get damaged. Mm-hmm. Those I will cut down, but at only, you know, kind of knee height. Yeah. It's the spring when we go we go hard on our roses. So depending on the size of them and the health and the vigor, uh, I'm a really big fan of rejuvenating roses by doing hard pruning early spring, feeding at the same time, and making sure you you know you want to you want the rose bush to grow so that it's not a big mass of of stems in the middle, which is what will happen if you leave them un checked. We want the growth to the outside. We want air and sun to penetrate to the inside. That way we have a much healthier plant and they can live forever and ever and ever if we prune them properly every spring. Good. Okay. And that that flat uh, flat shrub, can I trim that back now or spring too? Flat shrub? A shrub. Depends what kind of shrub it is. Oh, I don't know. (laughs) Oh, dear. I knew you were going to say that. Yeah. All right. I know tomatoes, but I don't know. I know. Shrubs. I yeah. know you know tomatoes. All right. So here's the rule when it comes to shrubs. I'm assuming it's a shrub that flowers. No. Oh, so it's an evergreen, probably. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Hey, you got it. Okay. So that's good. <laughs> and when you said flat, I bet you it's a U or something like that. 
Uh, you, the best time to trim your evergreens is when they're actively growing. So in the early spring, you'll trim your roses, but a month later, you'll trim your evergreens or okay. two months later, depending on the spring. So usually it's like mid-June and you can okay. go to town on your evergreens. Okay. Terrific. Okay. Hey, Werner, we have to scoot along here. Thank you. A lady from Markham who is waiting on the line patiently here. Want to get to Elaine. Good morning, Elaine. Hi, Frank and Charlie. Morning. Uh, my question is about fertilizing mm-hmm. the, you know, the liquid drops for the orchids and the African violet. Yes. And I'm wondering, do I use the fertilizer every time I water them, or just when they're flowering, or just when? So that's a good question. The The rule on, on fertilizers is we use them when the plants are actively growing and they can use that nutrient. So as we get into these winter short days, dark days, plants aren't growing as actively. And yet orchids are a good example, just like African violets. They can bloom any time in the year and bloom all year. So fl- when plants are flowering, we do want to support them with nutrient to maintain those flowers and encourage more flowers. So if they are in a, if they are flowering or they're looking, you know, you're seeing active growth on them. Yes, go ahead, use fertilizer, err on the side of, like, of doing your mix uh, under um, the the concentration that they recommend, as opposed to the opposite where you add extra fertilizer, add extra water. So it's some, and then the growers, the commercial growers, they fertilize every time they water. They have very, very low levels of fertilizer and they fertilize all the time just to keep that growth happening. Yeah, because it says seven drops in like a liter of water. Mm-hmm. So go six drops at this time of year and jump back to seven in February. Oh. But I don't use a liter of water. You know, I've only got like three plants. But if you've got like a, you know, go to the dollar store, get yourself a pitch, like a large jug or something, fill it up with a, a liter jug, fill it up with water, let it sit out to, at room temperature, add that this five or six drops, mix it all up and let it just sit there. Use it until it's gone. Right, it doesn't go bad sitting there in the water. Just be careful not knock it over, but you know, somewhere and don't let anybody drink out of it because it's fertilizer in the water. But (laughs) out in the garage. Okay, yeah, yeah. As long as it doesn't freeze, and plants don't want cold water, so better at room temperature. Do you know what, Elaine? We're out of time. Yeah, thanks for calling. Though, good question. And. We'll be waving hello to the guys uh, from Dave's Corner Garage. Yeah. In the meantime, Charlie, you have yourself a wonderful uh, Thanksgiving thank dinner. Thank you. With and the of folks. course, you have a wonderful yep. roast brisket or whatever <laughs> it is you're having. <laughs> I, on the other hand, am going, picking up my daughter. Yeah. Uh, we're going to head, uh, back to the, back to the eastern part of the province today to make pies oh, at, in the new house. Yeah. And then the, the whole family gets into that the rental car tomorrow fantastic. and yeah. races on down for a big feast. Well, so, pretty to exciting. Go. To everybody, have a happy Thanksgiving. Yeah, exactly. And look for what to be thankful for. Avoid yep. talking politics at the table if you've got a family like mine. <laughs> because okay. it's not going to be pretty. <laughs> okay. Thanks, Frank. Thank, Thank you so you. much, Duncan. Thanks to all the great callers. See you again next week. This has been an exclusive podcast of The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin. Heard every Saturday morning at 9 on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.